Jeff Boyardee is Poe's mentor. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, it was always going to be Leia. Could have been Baby Yoda. <laughs> wow, what a huge oversight. There's just a hole in the Death Star. Like, what the heck? You know, just like board that up or something, you know? And jumped onto Wikipedia. I was like, oh, there it is. I refused to get on the Wook, <laughs> as, as Jared lovingly refers to it. You're listening to the Star Wars Archives, a Utini.com Patreon-exclusive podcast. Your regular deep dive down the rabbit hole of the Star Wars universe. Discussion, analysis, Easter eggs, and obscure books you've never heard of. And now, here are your hosts, Jose and Trevor. Hello there, you have tuned into episode 38 of the Star Wars Archives, the Utini Network podcast where we take a random Star Wars topic and explain the living bantha poodoo out of it. I am Jose, aka Joxy in the Utiniverse, and joining me today, back from his internship with the Bendu, we have... <laughs> I'm Trev, Trev. keeper of a timeline pages <laughs> over at Utini.com. I've spent my entire life consuming Star Wars media and own over 1,000 Star Wars books and comics. So for anyone joining us for the first time... Hold on, wait. So normally I say this is a largely unscripted show, where once we've done decided on each episode's topic, Jose will do whatever research he needs, I will do as little research as possible, and we can talk about anything Star Wars. We're not doing that this week. No. This is a very, very scripted show. On your end. Where, on my end, where Jose has done no research at all, mm-hmm. and I have done hours and hours and hours of research. Yes, and, and the reason for this is because... Uh, we're doing a, a history of everything Star Wars or in the we galaxy? Are doing, we are doing a brief history of yes. everything Star Wars. This will be part one yes. of what could be a very, very long-running series. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we, I mean, we had planned it to be maybe like four parts originally, but I guess we, it all depends on how long each one of these episodes ends up being, isn't it? Yeah, right? it, <laughs> it, it, could, it could be a lot more than that. We're not going to do them on the banks. This is not going to be take over for the next few episodes it'll right. probably be another six episodes before i've managed to cram enough research <laughs> in to do any right. more um, right but yeah this is gonna be this is gonna be dense this is gonna be a lot for yeah. anyone listening and this is why i haven't done any research because i mean i think one of the you know at least even if it's not when we're recording but i know one thing that i keep asking travis like okay so but what happened first like what was happening before they even invented like starships? Like what happened? Like what was the force like when people were not they didn't even know there were other like alien species out there? Like so I I know that I've kept like asking about yeah, like the very first force user and all that kind of stuff. So um yeah, so when Trev came up with this idea of doing this like brief but maybe not so brief history of everything within the <laughs> Star Wars universe. I was like, okay, let's do this. And I'm really, I mean, like, I guess like in most episodes, I'm here as a, as Trev's Padawan and I'm learning everything he has to share. Uh, and today, especially just because I kind of, I wanted to be surprised about everything that he's bringing up and anything that I ask or anything that I bring up is definitely very unscripted. And there are going <laughs> to be genuine questions that I have or comments about whatever it is that Trev is telling us about so like i said i've done a lot of research i've done a script um i'm not going to be talking about 
every single thing that happened. Uh, mm -hmm. We're going to be talking about events that have been chronicled or mm -hmm. um, definitely events rather than this was the year that Gamorreans learned to speak or this is the year that Salonians learned how to use tools. We're not, we're not going that. But predominantly for this episode, the books that I've mainly focused my research on, and this is not an exclusive list, are The Essential Atlas, mm -hmm. Essential Guide to Warfare, the cut notes from the Essential Guide to Warfare, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, the video game, The Old Republic, massively online video game, uh, The Essential Chronology, The Fate of the Jedi nine book adult series, and Dawn of the Jedi Legends comic series. All these books and video games and things that I have never opened or played. <laughs> and a lot more beside that. So, should we just get straight into it? Sure, I got the map here that you yes. sent me. So, so I sent I'm Jose ready. a map of the Star Wars Galaxy. Now, for the purposes of our brief history episodes, we are going to assume that the now that we refer to is basically the entire Star Wars saga. It doesn't matter yeah. whether we're 32 years before the Battle of Yavin or 34. It doesn't matter. That's a mm -hmm. blink of an eye in the stuff that we're talking about. So the now is just general Skywalker saga era. Okay. Um, and I'm not going to be saying years before Battle of Yavin every time. We're just going to say ago. <laughs> it's this many years ago from the now that a we are living in. A long time ago? Yes. So long, in fact. And again, one more, one more point. Everything I talk about is legitimately prescribed. It has been written somewhere. Legends canon, it doesn't matter. That's all murky, the stuff we're mm -hmm. talking about. But I didn't make any of this stuff up. I've made it as casual as possible. So even though I've gone very in-depth, I want to keep it relatable, if that makes sense. I mean, sure. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll find we'll out. We'll find out if okay, it's relatable so, or not. <laughs> so let's start with 13 billion years ago. Okay. The Big Bang. There has to be a Big Bang, right? It's how universes start. You know, this is scientific proof as far as our understanding of science goes. Right. And as far as the understanding of people who write Star Wars' understanding of science goes. Right. So there was a Big Bang. Okay. Now, we can only assume that the was general formation... Bang? No, just, just a big bang. Um, very similar to our own, I imagine. Okay. Um, so the general formation of the universe and the galaxies and stars, planets, etc. I imagine that's going to be fairly similar to our own. Okay. So I haven't researched for big bang. Let's just assume it happened in the same way. Okay. And we're only dealing with one galaxy. Like, I don't know how many galaxies are in our universe. I don't know how many galaxies there are in the Star Wars universe, but we well, only deal with one galaxy. Technically, it's it's how the stories are told. It's it's our same universe, or same. It's it's a different galaxy. Yeah, possibly our the same universe. universe yes, possibly. So there, possibly, so yes. it is the same Big Bang as us. Okay, technically. yes. It's just that's true it, because it's a galaxy far, far away, exactly. which means that galaxy does exist. Yes, therefore then it is our same Big Bang that started the Star Wars. You, like, I mean, technically it is, galaxies. because that Big Bang 
our Big Bang created the Earth, which created George Lucas, which created Star Wars. So technically, in a meta way, and, it did. And, and somehow, and somehow, George Lucas had the insight of what was happening in this yes. galaxy far, yes. far away. Um, um, one of the primary differences of the Star Wars galaxy is that it formed around a massive black hole in its center. Oh, so that's a very uh, predominant identifying feature of the Star Wars galaxy. Really? Interesting. Yes. Okay. So the very center of a galaxy is a massive, massive black hole. I so like that. let's talk about the galaxy itself. A lot of numbers coming up. So the galaxy itself is 100,000 light years wide, 2,000 light years kind of top to bottom. It's like a, it's like an oval or those... Uh, Okay. Remember those sort of marshmallow flying saucer sweets? Yeah. Kind of that shape. So it's like a flying saucer shape. Okay. It's it's one of those. Yeah, I mean, there's galaxies have certain shapes, and that's one of those. Uh, it's, it's that shape <laughs> of, of a yeah. galaxy. So it contains 400 billion stars. Okay. About a quarter of each have been surveyed by the time of now. Uh -huh. um, contained within 180 billion separate star systems. 3.2 billion habitable systems, Jesus. Of, which, of which about a billion are populated. Uh -huh. It's estimated that there's about f over 5 million intelligent species in the galaxy. Five, okay. <laughs> um, so during the time of the Empire, 69 million systems, so star systems, met the population requirements for imperial representation. But... The Empire itself was only made up of just 1.75 million planets. <laughs> only? Only. Okay. So it's, it's a big place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we're going to talk a bit about the, the nature of the, the, the shape of the galaxy, so to speak. Yeah. So if you look at the map that I sent you. Yes. If you imagine... For anyone who's not looking at the map. Oh, by the way, oh, yeah. we will be putting this map on the Star Wars Archives Twitter. So you can all uh, follow this map as we go through. So if you go to at SWRCavesPod, um, I'm going to post a picture of this map there. I'm going to be using grid references, all sorts to give some context to what we're talking about. So if you imagine these black holes in the center and then the kind of concentric circles going outwards. So the deep core is a black hole? The deep core is just around the black hole so that's like a really dense area populated area of space so I'm uh, looking looking at at the map you gave me this word says wellspring that seems to be the dead center you're saying that that is a black hole no i'm going to come back to the wellspring okay <laughs> um so the names that we use for these areas again are the names that are used in the now they mm -hmm. probably obviously they weren't used at the time of a big bang or possibly any of the events that we're going to talk about because the galaxy right. wasn't well explored um so you have the core just around the deep core so that they're the planets closest the area after the core is known as the colonies which yes. you can imagine with was the kind of the earliest colonization mm -hmm. um you have the inner rim the expansion region the mid rim the outer rim and the unknown reason regions over to the left the galaxy is a weird place in that primarily it's kind of all populated on the right hand side of a galaxy with very little over on yeah. the left um and we'll come to you know some of the reasons that that may or may not be later on 
Um, but you mentioned the wellspring. So we see the wellspring yes. right in the center there. So I'm going to make some big assumptions here about the birth of the force itself. So the planet that you're talking about, later called the wellspring of life, or sometimes called the force planet, yeah. it is known as, or known to be, the birthplace of midichlorians. Oh. And possibly all life within the galaxy, or maybe the universe, in general. Since all life in the galaxy serves as host for the midichlorians, mm -hmm. and those with a larger number of midichlorians within them are later able to touch the Force, it would stand to reason that midichlorians were possibly the first life to exist. Does that make sense? I mean, yes, I guess. I mean, it, that is a leap. If we're that saying that midichlorians are, are, have life, they are I mean, they, they, are a, they are a species. They are organisms. They are organisms. And within the midi midichlorians carry the... F or are... I'm probably starting to like mix things in here, but... <laughs> so midichlorians don't carry the force. No. Midichlorians are the symbiotic life form that allow people to touch the force. Right. Because the force is everywhere. Yes. Even on, like, on non-organisms, right? It's all around us. It binds us and whatever, right? So yes, yeah, it's yeah. everywhere. So midichlorians are basically organisms that have that are very force sensitive, essentially. I think they they act more as a conduit. Yeah, but if you were to go down to their to their level and treat yeah. them as like organisms, like like humans are then it's sort of like that. They're just extremely... Because like if you have a lot of midichlorians in you, like you know, or your M count or whatever they want to call it nowadays, they it's it's about... If you have more of those, then you're more Force-sensitive. So it, it could be like that each one of these midichlorians, I mean, that they are... They're also very Force-sensitive. So if you have more of those, then you're able to touch the Force better? I mean, this is actually... Uh, was actually George Lucas's plan for the sequel trilogy that he started writing uh-huh but the notes that disney shelved he was going to go to a very uh microscopic level oh wow and kind of find out how the force worked from from that point of view that was his his whole pitch that should have been a prequel um, prequel <laughs> yeah i mean i'm sure there was a you know a narrative <laughs> reason for it yes. um so again that's that's an assumption we don't really know and yeah you know i don't think anybody had books so okay. nobody was writing it down yeah but we're assuming that that it all start they start from this wellspring is what your, yes your loop yes is. okay um and the wellspring is the planet that yoda visits in the clone wars with those oh, weird right. guys with the change of masks yes That's the wellspring yes. okay where's the black hole then so the black hole is also in the center how is the wellspring and the black hole in the same spot? It's it's probably very close to the black hole. <laughs> so does it stand to... I mean, if the closer you are to a black hole, time slows down. So would you basically... Anything that is close to the this wellspring maybe like hasn't... Time hasn't passed as fast as in the rest of the galaxy. Now, I, I did actually want to rewatch that episode for the purpose of this podcast, but I just never yeah. got around to it. <laughs> We'll save it for the next uh, history lesson. 
So we're going to jump forward now from okay. the big from the Big Bang. We are going to jump forward uh, many, many, many billions of years. So we started 13 billion years ago with the Big Bang. Now we're going okay. 2 million years ago. Okay. To one of the oldest known species within the galaxy. Okay, what is uh, this? So the species called Kalumi, Kalumai. Okay. From the planet Kalumus. Kalumus. I should have practiced pronouncing some of these before. That's all right. So, it, so this is in the core. <laughs> so this planet is in the core. Grid reference M11, just to the right of a deep core. Okay. So even two million years ago, the Kalumi had established a technological society, including interstellar travel. They visited Coruscant. Uh, oh, they are, they're already traveling yep. between planets. Yep. That's a big job, man. Uh, so they visited Coruscant in L9 and Jiro in M11, but they found no other society of any significant evolution. So they kind of gave up exploring outwards and uh -huh. continued an isolated existence. They gave up on space travel. Um, and they, they kind of focused their evolution on the advancement of the mind and intelligence over the body. So much so that, you know, millions of years down the line, these guys, their limbs are all atrophied because they've got a massive droid society that does everything for us, but they've got massive heads to house their massive brains. <laughs> um, so that's two million years ago, and we'll come back to these guys in a bit. Okay. One and a half million years ago, okay. it is known at this point in time that the Wookiees in, on Kashyyyk, uh, so that's in the mid-rim, grid reference P9, so as okay. early as one and a half million years Fun. ago, it is known that Wookiees were already celebrating Life Day. Oh, wow. Okay. So, you know, sentient, evolved to a certain degree. Um, um, so this random fact comes from a, uh, a blog post from StarWars.com in 2013 about music and musicians in the galaxy far, far away. Uh-huh. My research has taken me some very strange places. <laughs> um, <laughs> So now we're coming up to what I guess is a more relatable era. Um, you know, when we're talking billions and millions of years ago. Uh, so 200,000 years ago. So we know at this point that humanity has evolved on Coruscant. Um, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Because there's, there's actually something I was thinking about um, earlier today when I was like mentally preparing myself for this history lesson. Okay. Uh, all right, because yes, so... Uh, Wookiees are from Kashyyyk, so you yep. know, since we're talking about evolution and everything in here, so we have to assume that yeah, right, all the Wookiees come from this one planet, right? That's I yeah. mean, that's the assumption. And um, and even the previous species, the what, what was what was it the ka, the, the Kalum, Kalumai Kalumai, yeah, same thing, right? They're they're all from this one planet. Yes. They started yeah. there. What about humans? So yes, humans by all accounts, uh, evolved on Coruscant. Okay. Although it wasn't called Coruscant then, it was called Notron. Notron. Okay. So, but, so it would be, that would be like the equivalent of Earth, where like yes. this is, that's, they look, I mean, they look like us, so Coruscant is the most technically, you know, uh, the most Earth-like planet in this whole galaxy because the species there evolved to look just like us. Yes, One but they were not the only species on Coruscant. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so, but humans, but that's that is where humans come from. All humans yes. in the Star Wars universe 
and Galaxy come from Corazon? Yes, maybe. Evolved. From- let's 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 go with yes, maybe. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but at this point in the timeline, two hundred thousand years ago, um, humanity's essentially very existent is defined by a constant war on Notron. Uh huh. With the Tongs, who are a grey-skinned alien species, you know, they both share this planet. Um, they've been at war for centuries. So one particular battle mm-hmm. causes a volcanic eruption uh, on the planet that causes a near-extinction-level event. A oh. large percentage of human life on the planet is wiped out. The Tong take advantage of this devastation to subjugate the humans and take this victory as a sign of divine favour and christen themselves, wait for this, the Deverda Verda. Ah! It, which essentially means shadow warriors. So to celebrate this victory over the humans, they write an epic 700-verse poem called Deverda Verda. There we go. However, uh-huh. set, eventually the humans fight back. And after years of resistance, the Tongs are basically driven off-world. And then Coruscant becomes for the humans. Um, so the Tongs settle on the planet Rune, which is in the Outer Rim, uh, grid reference S15, eventually okay. forming the society that becomes the Mandalorians. Whoa, 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 whoa. So they are the Mandalorians? <laughs> they are the... Original? So the, the society that this alien species goes on to create is what over hundreds of thousands of years morphs into the Mandalorians. Wow. Okay. However, just Uh to throw another spanner in the works. So later academics in the Star Wars galaxy have cast doubt on this due to there being no known or little known, if you take the Clumai out of the equation, faster Uh than light travel. So how did the Tongs get off world? Yeah. How? But that's kind of, you know, take take that scepticism out of it. <laughs> that is what is known to have happened. Okay. Question. Yes. <laughs> I think this is that's just going to be that's just be in this episode is going to be okay, okay. Pause question. <laughs> I may not, I may not have the answers. You may not have the answer, and I may not be exactly like related to what you just finished saying. <laughs> it's something that I, I, it's been kind of like maybe spinning in my head for the last like two minutes. But because I'm just looking at this map, right? I'm just in this as I'm like following following you along. Yes. Um, so we have this um, black hole in the middle. <laughs> yeah. We have then in this map, I'm seeing all these planets, right? We have Coruscant, Alderaan. I mean, you know, yep. all this um, that I'm seeing here. Um, we know, based on our understanding of like our own universe, that or our own galaxy, like you basically, you go from galaxy, then you have your stars, and then you have the planets that orbit around each one of these stars. Yep. So, what is like? Coruscant, like that's that that is a planet. So, I assume that there are also like planet systems here yeah, too. Yeah. So right? each each one of those planets on that map, that's essentially a system. 
It's okay. not just a planet. It's essentially a solar system. For each one of those, it okay. would be a solar system. So Coruscant... They will all be orbiting a star. So Coruscant... There may be other planets. Okay, so these are all... Okay, so these are all, like, regions, essentially. Yeah. So it's so it's like saying, like... Like, if our nine planets... I think they had already. They, they they said that Pluto is a planet again. I don't know. That that was a recent thing I have. I was reading, but that's like our nine planets. If if the co- the combination of our nine planets and the sun was called Earth in this planet and this map. Yeah, or it might be called Sol for the or, sun. Sol, yeah. yes. No, but I mean the planet's more likely in there. But yeah, because Coruscant will have a sun. All of those planets will have a sun. Okay. Um, then it may be that there's two very, um famous planets in a system mm-hmm. but i think with star wars storytelling there's you know there's one Got planet it. in there with the exception of corellia and we'll come on to corellia yeah. um there's yeah there'll just be one okay. or something like the hates cluster again which we'll talk about in a bit yeah. which is you know lots of planets but it'll yeah. only have one spot on the map i see i've also always uh and, and I'll, I'll let you keep going after this but um this has always been my assumption um just to try to like understand why like most of the planets that we've seen in Star Wars movies and and shows, they seem to be like one like um, one habitat sort of planets. Yeah, and so that I've always to me for me to like kind of like understand it or justify it, I always assume that these planets are actually a little smaller than Earth or something. It, so I mean, it, it's 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 possible, and using the essential atlas, I could have given you. You know sizes for really? each of those okay, planets good. to give us comparison. So maybe but, but yeah, let's do that later. I mean, off okay. camera, and we can talk about it on the next episode too. But but you know, that's like sort of like how I justify it. Like so, so that's also maybe like why you can have multiple planets being called Coruscant because it it is a system of planets, and they're all just maybe they're all smaller and closer together than perhaps our planets here with like between us and Mars and whatever. Or or maybe you just need to expand your your vision of what we're talking about. You know, Perhaps. maybe maybe they're all bigger. Who, just, knows? who knows? I'm trying to ground it in some sort of way to our reality so that it's somewhat more understandable, I guess. <laughs> okay. Even though I mean it's just Star Wars, so let's just have fun with it so it doesn't have to make sense. Because <laughs> it's not okay. sci-fi, it's more it's fantasy. Okay, keep going. Okay, so uh the word of Verda was two hundred thousand years ago. Yeah, we're gonna jump forward another hundred thousand years now. Lots of jumps. So, the let's take a snapshot of the galaxy at a hundred thousand years. So, okay. the galaxy, the the primary species or the most notable species inhabiting the galaxy at this point are the Gri, the Qua, the Hlumai, the Kilix, the Sheru, and the Celestials. Hmm. We're going to talk about each of these. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's also known that the Sith civilization exists on Korriban, which is in the Outer Rim, map reference R5, over to the northeast. R5. Um, and this is the the Sith as a species, not as, not as in Dark Lord of a Sith. Yes. Um, but they're not advanced enough to be part of Galactic Affairs. But it's known that their civilization goes back this far. Okay. A hundred thousand, okay. Well, Yavin is not too far. So this is where it gets bloody weird. Okay. <laughs> As if it so wasn't it, already. 
so we're going to start with the heavy hitters. So we're going to start with the Celestials. Okay. So very little is known about the Celestials, whether they're from our galaxy or from outside it or merely passing through. Very little is known about their form, if they even had one. Um, it's been speculated that the Celestials had a deep connection to or even a relationship with the Force mm -hmm. and somehow guided the balance between the light and the dark. Another theory is that they'd actually surpassed the, even the need for a physical form and had actually merged with the Force. Oh. But one thing we can, we can kind of surmise is that this race of beings is so far removed from our understanding of what a sentient being should be is yeah. that we simply don't have the words or the understanding necessary to, to imagine them. It's been said that to understand, even understanding the celestials is beyond mere mortals. So it, this, these guys are different, you know, very, very yeah. different. Um, what we do know is that at some point, they, the Celestials enslaved the Killix and used them to create some massive, impressive machinery that lived on until our now, such as Centerpoint Station, which was used to bring the planets together that now form the Corellian system. Uh, so Corellia is in the core, grid M11. So mm -hmm. Corellia is a good example. So you've only got the one spot for Corellia on a map, but it's actually made up of five planets, which are... Oh, let's see if I can do this off the top of my head. Uh, Corellia, Salonia, Trallus, and the two twins. I can't remember their names. But there's five planets in the Corellia system. Okay. Um, and again, so these planets existed across the galaxy. Centerpoint Station was used to bring these planets together. Um, they created the Moore Cluster of Black Holes, which is map reference T10. People recognize that from... The Jedi Academy trilogy from a solo film. Mm -hmm. um, they created the Hapes Cluster, which is several hundred mm. stars within a gaseous nebula and at least 63 habitable planets. That's in the inner rim, grid reference 09. The Cathol Rift, it's another dense nebula, almost impossible to travel through, where the actual fabric of space seems thinner. Um, that's in the outer rim, N21. And the Cron Cluster, which is a group of 10 stars really really close together it's like imagine 10 10 of our suns in oh, wow. a really small area of space um this, sorry so and this yes. is this is what the celestials the celestials made all of these within I, the galaxy i was just the, um uh, yes yeah, so i just had to confirm here just for a second because i was uh the way you were describing the celestials um that they've may have formed or with the with the force itself very, very possibly yep it's uh no it's it, um it made me just for you know you know sometimes i have to throw in my my other pop culture references in yeah. here but it uh for those of you that have uh watched uh the stargate tv shows uh, in Stargate Atlantis, they they discover. I think that I think that is only within Stargate Atlantis. I don't think SG One mentions them. But then there's a whole uh, species called um, the Ancients. Well, I guess not. It all starts with the with Celestials have been known as the Ancients. So, and the thing with what the Ancients are, they've they, as a species they've disappeared um, because they've uh, they've accomplished what they call um, they've they've ascended. 
and it is that they are able to like leave their body behind and they just become basically like uh, beings of pure energy and and so that's the, you describing the um, the celestials are. It's very similar to how in the Stargate universe they describe the ancients. It's about kind of like it's all about ascending to this higher level of being, and which I, you know in Star Wars I guess would be merging with the Force itself. But again, all of these are hypotheses because yes, again we we don't even know whether they they're from our galaxy. Right. Right. Um, but another thing that it's possible that was created by the Celestials is the actual galactic barrier. So hmm. the reason that nothing can leave our galaxy is because there's kind of a bubble of hyperspace distortion all around it. Uh-huh. It's impassable by normal hyperspace travel. Again, it's been rumoured, and this comes from <laughs> this comes from the cut notes for Essential Guide to Warfare, which is the stuff that was written for the book but got cut for various reasons. Um, yeah. And it's a really cool scene of like an imperial scientist trying to explain this stuff to the moths, and the moths are like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> um, but it's possible that they created this hyperspace barrier, either as a way of preventing the galaxy from being invaded from outside, uh-huh. or the return of beings that they had exiled outside Ooh. of the galaxy. See, now I like this this idea that all this different sci-fi series all do exist in different parts of the galaxy but you do have these like ancients or celestials that have just like made like these giant bubbles in each one of these galaxies so that like the the rules of one and the force are all contained within this one galaxy and then you have this other one where there's other these other things happening but you do have this like the ancients are just these overlords of all the galaxies (laughs) setting the rules for what happens within each one well i mean that's that's one of the things i wrote down in my script is that so yes, most of the other species worked, or that were around at this point in time, worked in service of the Celestials. But I don't yeah. think it would be correct to say that the Celestials ruled the galaxy, right? Because of the fact that they are so, so much bigger than our understanding, mm-hmm. they they didn't rule the galaxy. They just they just were. Yeah. They they just are. They're just sort know? of setting some of the rules within it, in a, if anything, and then allowing the beings to live within those very general guidelines i guess um but have i got weird enough for you yet no good Keep going man get really weird again <laughs> so I, you... the fact that i can still connect it to other pop culture things it's it's not weird enough yet so. okay so i mentioned in that last bit about um how the celestials used the killix to build yes center point station so the Killix are an insectoid species native to Alderaan, which is okay. in the core, M10. Um, now, the Killix share a hive mind, meaning that memories, consciousness, and personality are shared throughout generations. Wait, were they slaved by the ancients then? They, or when you say used, or were they employed, or were they slaves? Who who knows? <laughs> we don't know. Or the Killix uh, um, is like, you know what? I'm going to do this for you guys. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, they're very friendly. Okay. But one of their hives called Thurut. Thurut. Not fruit, as in apples and bananas. Thurut. Yeah, I, um, I, I got that. So they're, they're featured heavily in the Fate of a Jedi series. And this hive remembers working for the Celestials and being Ooh. part of the construction of Centerpoint. And how the station was used to bring together the black holes needed to form the more nebula in order to imprison... Abeloth. 
can you remember who Avaloth is? I, I, you just said that I'm like, hold on, I know this name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? Just for the sake of our listeners who are not <laughs> you, so you aware, why don't I okay. let you explain it? So, <laughs> so simple thing would be big evil force monster that steals the face of Luke's dead girlfriend. Mm, mm-hmm. That one. Remember That's what that? I was gonna say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. No, so I do remember back- the face stealer. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> so, to backtrack a bit from Avaloth, uh-huh. it's also been theorized that the Celestials are related to the Ones. The Ones. Ancient force beings like those that resided on Mortis. Oh. From the Clone Wars. Yes. Which would explain their involvement in trapping Avaloth. So, Avaloth was actually one of the Ones. Avaloth was a One who may or may not have been Celestials themselves. So, Abeloth was mother. We've met father. We've met daughter. We've met son. Abeloth was mother? Abeloth was mother. So she was part of a family that we meet on Mortis. So let's talk about Mortis for a second. Also known as Bringer of Chaos, Abeloth. Yes. So... I like mother. So Mortis is actually contained within that weird monolith. You've got that double pyramid monolith that they go into yes. to get to the planet, right? Yes. So that double pyramid, two pyramids on top of each other at the base, is called an octahedron. And that shape's going to become important later on. Okay. That's a big deal in this ancient history. So monolith is in the Krilithian system, right mm-hmm. in the north outer rim. So K2, right at the top of the map K2. there. K2, Okay. So Abeloth was mother, but she wasn't she wasn't one of the great beings. She was just a mortal who had served as a servant to the family. She got elevated in position to being mother due to her role in maintaining balance between the son and the daughter. Okay. She sounds like a a, a good person. But she's so a mortal. So as she grew older and her own mortality crept up on her, she drank from the font of power and bathed in the pool of knowledge. Mm. On a planet that dwelled outside of the known galaxy, in the realm of the Force itself. It's called Beyond Shadows in the Fate of the Jedi series. It's Uh only accessible by those who can detach their consciousness from their physical bodies. Oh. But by, by the mother doing this drinking from a font of power and bathing in a pool of knowledge, yes. basically corrupted her into the malevolent being known as Abeloth. Oh, my. Who then has the power to basically tear the universe apart. Hence, the building of a more black hole cluster to imprison her. This is a whole, I mean, parallel to <laughs> Eve eating from the but, apple. Yeah. The, it's like... There's a lot of that going on. It's just like, come on. <laughs> it's like... What if, what if Eve went batshit? <laughs> <laughs> all right wow but after this wait the- so but she so she she split she, she separated her self from her physical being she bathed in this thing yep does she come back to her own body and then becomes that or is she then just sort of like or is that spirit yeah, she, yeah, energy she returns yeah she, she returns, returns to- and then she's all corrupted yeah interesting um, how does she know the location of this other place she hangs around with the ones 
I imagine she's oh. privy to a lot of information, but your average Joe isn't. Oh yeah, right. So she she's she's a human. That's the thing. She's a human. So well, maybe she, the, so the we we don't know if she was a human. Okay. She was a she's mortal. A, she's a mortal. Yes. The ones are not mortal. The ones are not because they may or may not be celestials. Okay, and then she hangs out with this gods essentially, sort of. Yeah. Um, and they like her. And they like, they like her. her. She's doing a good yeah. job at stopping the oh. kids fighting. This is great because I'm also right now I'm actually reading a non-Star Wars book, which is uh, Cersei. So it's all Greek mythology and it's all through the point of view of. So it's all I'm, my my head right now is very much into gods and goddesses and mortals and what you know all this stuff. So that's why I'm like. <laughs> uh, anyways, so so she's a mortal. She hangs out with gods. She learns from them that there's a place where she can like bathe and become more knowledgeable and powerful she she splits she, she her essence or whatever leaves her body goes has a has shower a bath over there yeah <laughs> and then comes back and the i guess the assumption would be that you know maybe a, 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 mere, a mere mortal could not withstand the like all this knowledge and power that you get from this this bath therefore that is what she becomes all corrupted because she is not like if she were a one of these celestials then maybe she could have done it without harm but maybe she just her body could not take all that new knowledge and therefore she is corrupted and becomes like all messed up is that sort of yeah pretty much but also imagine that that what sort of power she must have had that the celestials yes felt she needed to be locked up right right well because then she had the knowledge you know, because I, th- I think one thing, yeah, when, when you're a god, you don't understand all the things that, like, m- mortals go through. You have, like, a general idea, but you don't experience pain or loss or anything, really. So she has, then, all the experience and history of being a mortal, and then it that is somehow combined with all the new knowledge of, of being, um, you know, of being a, uh, a celestial. So, and that, I'm sure that, yeah, that's going to break your brain. So she um, comes back and she doesn't, like, maybe her body doesn't know how to, like, put all that stuff together again. Like, But at this point, she, you know, she's, she's very dangerous. So we lock her up within yeah. a load of black holes. Um, <laughs> and they can, they can just all... move black holes wherever. Yep, exactly. So she's locked up. Wow. Um, but after this, um, the father's quite concerned, but without the influence of the mother the balance between the son and the daughter may not be maintained. And if it isn't, yes, that's going to tear the universe apart as well. Mm-hmm. So the father removes Mortis from the physical realm of the galaxy. So the planet that Anakin, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka go to is outside of the galaxy. So it's not on K2 or whatever. That's where the monolith that acts as a gateway to the planet a Stargate? <laughs> Maybe. The ancients did develop the whole Stargate technology. So, we talked about Celestials, we talked about Killix, now we're going to talk about the Gree. So, okay. the Gree from the planet Gree, uh, yes. Outer Rin, Up North, L2. L2. So, they're like an Got it, found o- it. octopus species. Six tentacles or limbs. Um, they're already ancient at this point. They're technologically advanced. Been going around contacting lesser developed known civilizations. But they've kind of got 
policy of not supplying any tech that civilizations couldn't theoretically develop themselves one day. So they're not there, you know, giving hyperdrives to Neanderthals or anything like that. Yeah. And even long before this point in time, 100,000 years ago, had launched an automated exploratory vessel called the Grey Seacant on a mission to study various reaches of the galaxy. Okay. That ship comes back in the Old Republic video game. Uh, and there's a big story point of one of the missions there. It's like a ghost um, ship. We're going to revisit the Kalumai. So again, we know that they had achieved space travel, but kind of went backwards on themselves. Uh -huh. um, they tried it again around this time, but basically fear of the Celestials kept them on world. They were like, they took they took a peep up above the clouds and went, uh, uh no, uh, I'm having nope. none of that. <laughs> I'm, I'm going back down. Yeah, yeah. Um, a similar thing happened with the Sheru. So the Shuru were from the Rafa system, uh, which is T8 in the Outer Rim. Okay. So humanoid species, they'd also spread outwards. They colonized a few worlds near to their home world. Um, but again, terrified of the Celestials. Uh-huh. And basically, deliberately downsized their entire civilization. Um, pushed it all underground, surrounded their cities by impregnable, solid, transparent pyramids, and, and gave up. Gave up on life and civilization. <laughs> completely um until the civilization was awoken millennia later by lando carizium oh so that's from a book called the mind harp of sheru and that's what he mentions when he's recording the carizium chronicles in solo oh uh, uh i want to talk about the qua so that's kwa um wow. so they're a lizard-like species um native to dathomir which is in the outer ring Yep. Oh six. Uh also technologically advanced, very benevolent for Qua. Um ultimately working in service to the Celestials though, because you know, everybody was. Uh and they used are you ready for this? They used hyperspace gates. <laughs> yes. Just like for Stargate. Yes. <laughs> so they used them. It's all the same. <laughs> Um, so the hyperspace gates were based on, uh, they called them infinity gates, um, based God. on celestial uh, tech. So they used them to the teleport yeah, between worlds. they also called them Chapa I in one of the other civilizations. It's the only Stargate when you translate it into like our basic, into basic. So yes, got it. <laughs> um, they were also able to use a force known to them as the power of the cosmos. Uh -huh. um, so they used their infinity gates to travel the galaxy, helping many civilizations evolve. Yes. Now, at one point, the Quad discover a primitive race called the Rakata. Ah, the Rakata. Yep. I always so, think they say it's the Rakata cheese. It's not the cheese. <laughs> um, so the Rakata came from a planet Lihon, which is G11, right to the left of the map. Wait, what right. book is it that they talk about the Rakata a lot? Is it in, is it in a... That's the Knights Ascendancy? of the World Republic video game. Yeah, but I didn't play that. So how no. do I know about the Rakata? Um, no, I don't, I don't think it's mentioned in Thrawn. We've talked about the Rakata a lot. Okay. I feel like it's, it's in, in some book. I feel like I've... Maybe it's in one of the, one of the few Legends books that I have read. They talk about the Rakata. Maybe it's just all blurring into one for you now, Jose. Maybe it's all, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm about to turn into Avaloth now with all this new knowledge. <laughs> That'll you. be my new name in Utuniverse. Um, so the Quar give the Rakata technology and introduce uh -huh. them to the Force. But the Rakata already naturally sensitive to the Force. The Quar did not realize this. 
at some point Rakatan were enslaved by the Celestials. Now, this is a distinct difference. Ah, some yep. of the other species were working with or for. Yes. It's specific that the Rakatas were slaved, enslaved. Yeah. But what wasn't realized by the choir or the Celestials at the time, but the Rakatan's natural affinity to the Force is based solely in the dark side. They don't know how to Ooh. use the light side. They're pure dark. I, yeah, I, I, I have always been a fan of ricotta in my lasagna, so it's um. Okay. I appreciate good, this. Good. Yep. Um. So that's a snapshot dark of the galaxy. Side, dark side ricotta. <laughs> I like it. Okay. So snapshot of the galaxy at a hundred thousand years yes. before uh, ago, hundred thousand years ago, um, as early as ninety thousand years ago, Coruscant is already a sprawling planet-wide city, already. Mm-hmm. So humanity's built it up. To that level um i'm assuming again we don't know but we can assume that the celestials were aware or also enslaved humans we we don't know yeah so now we're going to jump forward to like the first the first kind of written story what time are we on how long are we running so far <laughs> we we're at about 40 Eight, oh wow! Okay. Forty-five minutes. So I'm not getting it anywhere. We're about to, to hit the, the hour sometime this. soon. So <laughs> okay. So thirty-six thousand four hundred and fifty-three years ago. When what 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 year mark were you hoping to get to on today's episode? I was hoping to get to twenty-five thousand years ago, but that's not happening. <laughs> we're getting nowhere <laughs> close. Okay. <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. Okay. Okay. So. 36,453 years before the Battle of Yavin. Uh-huh. So we're going to talk about the awakening of the Tho Yor. Oh. That's T H O Y O R. There was an awakening. Yes. So on eight planets spread across the galaxy, on each of these planets lived or sat a Tho Yor. Massive double pyramid shaped starships like the Mortis Monolith. Uh huh. Laid buried in the ground, you know, just. Uh, you know, features of curiosity to the various species there. Something causes these ships to wake up, telepathically calling Force-sensitive beings from these planets to go on board. So these planets include Ando Prime, map reference Q15, Kashyyyk, mm-hmm. the humans of Dathomir, Ryloth, so the Twi'leks in mm-hmm. R17. Order Selkath, Twi'leks at this point, then, yep. I guess? Okay. The Selkath of Manan in 011. The ships visit tons of other worlds as they you know leave uh the worlds that they've been sat on for however long gathering up others who hear their call even Korriban because we later see a pure-blooded sith among the uh, inhabitants they all atv ships head to the deep core to the planet tython okay upon arrival each of these sentients so again you've got aliens from all over the galaxy yes all at once, every member of um, everybody who had boarded one of these ships, they all feel the force awaken within them once they reach this planet. So, so it's like a, it's like a Noah's Ark of uh, yes, um, feeling like the need to to give, I guess like midi chlorians or something, basically to all these different species. Yeah, so they you know they. They all, they learn about the force then they they can they can access it they're studying this power as well as the abilities that it grants them 
Um, they're learning that there's two sides to the force, which is reflected in the two moons of Tython. So you've got the light side, which is Ashla, and the dark side, which is Boga. Mm-hmm. And it's, they become the Jedi. That's J-E apostrophe D-A-I-I. Yes. Um, and the world itself is unstable and it needs maintaining balance and it's a very different outlook on the force itself. But they don't know any of us yet because they've only just got there. This is so all these different species are coexisting in Tython and learning about the force. Yes. So the way it's kind of explained, uh, this is all from a Dawn of a Jedi comic series. Yeah. This, no, this is super interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm into The way this. it's explained <laughs> is that, um, especially later on, um, because obviously, you know, they, they populate and they breed and their civilization yeah. grows, is that everyone who is there is a Tython, but they're not all Jedi. They are, at this point in time, they're all Jedi. They've all had the Force awaken in them. Yeah. But later on, as their society they're Jedi-y. grows... They're jedi Yes. Later on, as their society grows, you know, they don't think of themselves as humans or Twi'leks. They're all... They're Tythons. Yeah. Like so, Mandalorians are... You, it's not... Yes. Yes. So Mandalorian by creed, not by, like, species. So the Thoyor, these eight ships, they've woken up, they've gathered people from all over the galaxy, and they've awakened the force in all of them and they're all residing on tython in the deep core yeah so let's jump forward another i don't know 15 you're jumping from this this is like a huge event oh yep you know what what do they do after do they just go back to their to the they just go colonizing like you're you're gonna have to wait oh my god you're gonna have to wait so that was thirty six thousand four (laughs) hundred and fifty three years before star wars Okay. So let's jump forward to 35,000 years ago. So like 1,500 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to talk back to the Rakata now. Ah, yes, Rakata. So the Rakata have spread out from Lihon, their planet. And they've kind of grown into what they've called the Infinite Empire. So even though they're enslaved mm-hmm. by the Celestials, they're still, they've still managed to form an empire. Um all of their technology, including hyperdrives and weapons, it's all powered by the dark side. So the tech is powered by the force itself. Um, and they target planets with a strong presence in the force, enslaving their populations. So this is where you kind of have to assume about the Celestials being not a physical presence in the galaxy, because mm-hmm. this is happening. You know, and then they don't stop them. Um, now, the, the Infinite Empire tried to take the secret of the Infinity Gates from the Qua. The Qua mm-hmm. set about destroying all their gates. They're like, no, we cannot let the Rakata have this, this technology. So they're destroying all the Infinity Gates that exist on other worlds, and they retreat back mm-hmm. to Dathomir. Mm-hmm. Um, any Qua who were off-world were basically wiped out. Um, so the gates that remain on Dathomir are a big part of the storyline of Infinity's End, which is a Quinlan Vos Legends comic story from Dark Horse. Is Infinity's End referring to the end of the Infinity Gates? Very, very possibly. You'll have to read it to find out, Jose. Uh... <laughs> um, but the Celestials are worried by the aggressive, aggressive expansion of a Rakata. Um, and another theory about that hyperspace boundary kind of to the west of a deep core between the known galaxy and the unknown region specifically was again created by the Celestials as a way of slowing them down, as a way of slowing the Rakata down. But it's also possible that Rakata were only able to rise to such prominence due to the power of the Celestials waning and their grip on the galaxy loosening. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and the inf Ricardo Infinite Empire becomes, you know, masses of technology creating huge dark side power machines, including the Star Forge, which is a big thing from a nice little public video game. It's basically a, an automated factory capable of creating massive warships. Um, you know, that thing about if droids took over, first thing they would do would build a droid that could build other droids that would yes. build bigger droids. It's, it's kind of that. Okay. Um, so should we go back to Tython? Yes. Yes. So, so 34 and a half thousand years ago, 2,000 yeah. years after the Thoyor delivered its chosen beings to Tython, they've got a massive civilization at this point. Um, they've colonized... So they've all been, they've just been living there for 2,000 years. Yep. They've colonized the entire system. You know, there's 10 planets there. They've got cities and temples and centers of learning and each one of these centers of learning based around one of the Thoyor. And they're all just hanging out there while, while they're, while they're Rakata are causing chaos all over the rest of the galaxy. Yep, 100%. Okay. Um, now, as the civilization grew, people were born who couldn't touch the Force. Now, for those people, the planet itself was dangerous. Because without the balance, you couldn't, you couldn't live on the planet if you weren't able to be balanced. It's a bit ropey. I didn't quite get it, but um, <laughs> but those non Jedi are forced uh -huh. to migrate from from Typhon, so to the other worlds in the system. Yeah. So within uh, the Typhon system, these ten planets, you know, the whole society is made of Jedi and non Jedi. Yes. Um, you know, like I said, it's a fully blown civilization. Yeah. Um, jump forward another thousand years. And the Infinite Empire, the Ricardo Infinite Empire, is now the most powerful force in the galaxy. But because of their hyperdrives being powered by the force, they're only able to travel between worlds with a strong force presence. So whether that's um, species with a strong natural affinity to the force, like the Qua, or mm -hmm. a planet like Kashyyyk because of the ecosystem, you know, you'd imagine, that, again, a strong force presence. Yeah. So... Even though they've already conquered and enslaved the population of like 500 worlds, including Kashyyyk, Tatooine, Coruscant, Corellia, they're dotted about everywhere. They're not, they're not solely based in one area of space. Yeah. Um, there is another map that shows this. I'm going to be dropping that in our um, Twitter and our Discord as yeah. well. Uh, around this period of time, the Rakata installed a massive terraforming machine on Kashyyyk called the Builder Forge. And over the following couple of hundred years, this forge malfunctions, and it's this malfunction that causes the massive growth of the trees there. Oh. And accelerates the evolution of various species on the planet. So, Kashyyyk being what it is, was because of one of the Ricardo's machines malfunctioning. Oh. Um, okay. 30,000 years ago, so we are now... So 6,000 years after the Thoyor first reached Tython, um, yeah. Kilix have completely vanished from the galaxy. Um, again, it's theorized that they were relocated beyond the veil of the unknown regions by the Celestials. So still around 30,000 years ago. So at this point, their rule spreads from worlds as far removed as Belkadan, which is in the far north of the galaxy, L1, mm -hmm. Honor, which is the homeworld of Nogri, right to the west of the galaxy, T10. Mm -hmm. Alzok, which is south of the galaxy, P19. And I just wanted to give a few worlds that show the, 
breach of their empire. And then we're also as recognizable as Majito, Dantooine, Malastare, Raxus, and Yavin. So all of these are worlds conquered by the Rakata. Okay. And yes, they'd, they're all over, yeah. And they'd even risen up against the Celestials and driven them from the galaxy. Oh, wow. Now, we don't know whether that means they were beaten, they were defeated by the uh, Rakata, yeah. whether they chose that moment to merge into the Force, whether they left the galaxy or maybe even left the dimension. Um, Plagueis later contemplated the idea that the Celestials chose to merge into the Force so it could control its path. So maybe the Celestials are, in fact, the Wills, as in hmm. Journal of the Wills. Yeah. Again, we don't know. It's all conjecture at this point. Yes. Um, 28,000 years ago, at this point in the timeline, a Sith called Adas had united the various warring nations of Korriban, the homeworld of a Sith species. Um, strong in the Force, but completely untrained, didn't know about the existence of the Force. He yeah. became known as Sithari, which is a word that becomes quite commonly used throughout the Sith in you know in millennia time. Yeah. Um, three hundred years after that, this guy lived a long time, so he lived. You know, he ruled for three hundred years. Yeah. The I mean, Rakatan... Some of the species tend to last a long yeah. time here. So. Uh, the Rakatan Infinite Ep Empire arrives on Korriban and gives technology, including holocrons, to King Adas. When this turns to attempted conquest, because that's what the Rakata does. Adas actually leads the Sith to drive them off the planet. But this conflict results in the complete devastation of Korriban as the Rakata retaliate. Um, Adas dies and the whole unification of a Sith species and nations that he had managed to achieve completely falls apart. 27,500 years ago, the humans of Coruscant start launching sleeper ships. So exploratory sleeper ships over the next sort of 1,500 years, humanity spreads across the galaxy. Alderaan, Kuat, the Teon Cluster. Um, so we can assume that all of humanity in the galaxy did spread from Coruscant. Yeah. Um, 500 years later, Kuat is settled by uh, Coruscanti humans from one of his sleeper ships. Uh, 27,000 years ago, again, same sort of time, uh, a group of explorers called the Gossam Kurivers. Uh, uh -huh. So they're using a, a tumble drive. So it's an early prototype hyperdrive. They stumble upon and colonize Felucia, as well as a few other close worlds. Yes. And while the Infinite Empire is still, still out there directing their aggression at everybody, the Gree and Makwa, who we spoke about earlier, they're also in their own little war together. Um that lasts until 27,000 years ago, by which point the Rakata had practically exterminated the Quar and the Gree had just gone behind their own borders. Um, interestingly, it's been theorised based on some you know, fairly sketchy evidence, to be fair, that the Quar are the ones responsible for the creation of the Tho-Yor, the massive ships that went to Tython, while mm -hmm. the Gree played a hand in the advancement of Coruscant. So it could be interpreted that the Qua created the Jedi while the Gree created the Republic. Hmm. Which I found quite interesting. Yeah, I, yeah, that's yeah, that is interesting. Um so a thousand years after Kuat was colonized by the sleeper ships that left Coruscant, they're also launching their own arcs to colonize Wait, further planets. If the the Qua created the Jedi 
Digitae, right? Yeah. Is that what you were well, saying? Well, they created with... the Thoyor, which Thoyor. then went on to create all the people that it took uh, to bring all the people to Tython. Yes, and 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 you know, and from there, those are the Jedi with the double I. Yeah. And then that's that's what then later also becomes sort of. I mean, from there they're learning about both the light side and the dark side. So yes. the Sith technically also come from there, right? No, the Sith come no. from Korriban. Okay, the, so the Sith are a species, a red-skinned human yes, species. Yes, but but so are the the Sith that we know of today. Oh, we're thousands of years away from. Yeah, our. yeah, but but it, so is that <laughs> so? Okay, so I know. So I guess we'll get to that eventually. But is is this are the Sith that we know of today completely like they they do not come from the Jedi double I Jedi? They just come from the Sith that we're talking about as a species. I guess, no, I guess, so, I mean, if you're going to talk about the Sith we know of today, which would be Vader, Palpatine, yeah, Maul, like you know, Dark Side Force a, users. Yeah, it's more of a doctrine. They yes. adopted the Dark Lord of the Sith title because it comes from the Sith master plan of, you know, galactic domination. Um, but that, over the course of millennia, comes from, you know, the Sith as a species and then the exiled Dark Jedi and then the interbreeding of that and the civilization that grew on Zyost and Korriban. That's the history of the Sith that you know, and yeah. we're going to cover all of that in okay. very, okay. very okay. De detail. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, I can do this. We can get through this, this last section and take me up to my to my. Yeah, I think we're, we're, I mean, yeah, we're over the hour, but I think we're, we're almost there, so I think we so, can do it. 2000, uh, sorry, 2000. 25,805 years ago. Uh-huh. The 10 planets of a Tython system, now colonized by the descendants of the original Jedi. Uh, you know, a massive society has bloomed, but within that society, not everyone's going to be happy. Um, yeah. Queen Hadia of the planet Shikakwa, uh, which is one of the planets in the Tython <laughs> system. Um, it's basically a, a criminal planet. Uh, she's oh, united the criminal elements of her planet. Sorry, uh, for, sorry for our Chicago listeners. Yeah, so, so, so Queen Hadia of Chicago um, wants to conquer <laughs> the entire system. Um, the Jedi fight back, and this is almost like the first fight for peace and justice that the Jedi are involved mm -hmm. in. Uh, they're successful, but the war costs over a million casualties within the Tython system. Oh, mm -hmm. So 12 years after this, 25,793 years before the Battle of Yavin. So the lush, fertile outer rim world of Tatooine is conquered mm. by the Infinite Empire. The lush, fertile Tatooine. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, it's humanoid native species called the Kamunga are enslaved. Mm -hmm. Which now, later becomes the Tusken Raiders. Actually, no. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get to that. Um, okay. So... At this point, the Rakata High Command are based on Biss in the Deep Core, mm -hmm. and they learn of the existence of Tython and sends one of its Force Hounds. So their Force Hounds basically slaves with strong connections to the Force um, to locate the planet Tython for its eventual conquest. Um, mm -hmm. Once it's located, the Rakata attack the system, and there's basically a year-long invasion of the Tython system. Um, they send in a mutated lower caste army of cannibalistic Rakatans known as Flesh Raiders. Mm -hmm. Flesh Raiders play a big part in the Old Republic video game. Uh, 
The true purpose of the invasion is revealed to be prompted by the fact that Rakatans are losing their connection to the Force. And the existence of a world so strong in the Force, and also rumoured to house one of the Quar's Infinity Gates, actually turns out to be the Prime Infinity Gate, able to transport anywhere without the need for a corresponding gate. Mm. If they're successful in capturing this planet, it'll renew their connection to the Force and allow them to conquer the entire galaxy. Um, as the Rakatan army grows closer to Tython, an ancient Qua holocron helps the Jedi unlock the mysteries of a Thoyor and use that as a weapon to repel the Rakata out of the system and destroy all their ships. Now, although the Jedi beat back the Rakata, it costs them the balance that they've been seeking and a massive schism between light and dark grows into basically all out conflict. So, 10 years now of light and dark Jedi fighting against each other. Yeah. At the end of this, Tython is rendered uninhabitable by a massive force cataclysm. So, we have this huge fight, but at the end of it, Tython's destroyed, practically. Oh, wow. But it also sees the birth of the Jedi Order as we know it because the Jedi develop a deeper understanding of the balance required between the light and the dark, and I the see. fact that there are two separate sides to the Force. Uh, Rakatan Empire continues on for another 500 years, although the connection to the Force is still deteriorating. Okay. Plus the use of the Star Forge, this massive dark side-powered machine, kind of heightens their natural tendencies of, you know, conquerors, cannibals... And the whole empire collapses into... Cannibals? S- yep, they're they a cannibal species. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> okay, I did. <laughs> did I not mention that? No, I don't think I did. No, I don't think um, so. <laughs> on top of this, various slave societies are rising up against the Rakata, and then a plague rips through the Rakatan population. Um, it, not, it A mutation in this virus completely strips the Rakata of their connection to the Force, which means they can't use their tech that powered the empire so the entire society collapses in in no time at all really um yeah. Rakatan are driven to near extinction there's only a few tribes who make it back to their home world and then de- they descend into like a barbaric neanderthal existence um wow. one of those slave risings occurred on tatooine now in response to this before the plague had ripped through them um the Rakata completely decimate Tatooine from orbit turns it to glass hence the sand planet that we see now Uh, the Kamunga that we spoke about they went on to become Jawas not Tusken Raiders oh okay so so they were tiny They, they were so the state of the galaxy then as I draw this to a close so the infinite empire is no more they've been driven back um yeah They've left a lot of technology behind. The humans of Coruscant make use of this technology, so even though they can't use the force-powered drive, they're able to start using better. They're not quite at light speed yet. They're not quite at hyperspace yet. But they can start colonizing worlds. Um, A similar expansion happens on Korriban. Again, Sith using leftover Rakatan tech, so they colonize nearby Zeost. Uh, another form of space travel that's fairly common at this point is um, hyperspace cannons. So they're shooting ships into hyperspace, and there's a network of cannons 
throughout the galaxy as well. Humans of Coruscant especially encounter the Duros. Um, and this is really the start of true galactic colonization. I see. End of yeah, part a... one. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I told you that was going to be deep. You know, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to do one of I these I hope people here. listening along were not too bored by that. No, I mean, it's, uh, I think I, I thought it was extremely interesting. So I, I, you know, I was a little quiet for a lot of it just because it was a lot of new information. But it's, uh, I mean, I think it was fascinating. I'm sure that our listeners would, at, at least that percentage of it, should, should agree with it. So we've gone from know. Big Bang to 25,000 years before Star Wars. We've gone through the Celestials. We've gone through the Ones of Mortis. We've gone through the Rakatan Empire. Yeah. And now, you know, the galaxy's just starting to be colonized proper. Most, most impressive, my friend. Most impressive. Oh, I'm, my mouth you, is parched. Yeah, get a, yeah, drink, drink some water or something there. Like, um, all right. Well, I think yeah, we're we're calling. That's it for today. Basically, yeah, we're, we're not gonna do any batshit crazy no. uh, book. Um, <laughs> so. Let's uh, let's just do our outro. Uh, we do have a uh, a bedtime story later, uh, so stick yes, around for that. But uh, yeah, let's uh, you know this show is uh, possible thanks to all the people supporting us uh, either through Patreon subscri- subscriptions or getting some of our merch. If you'd like to help us out, uh, go you know get some merch on utini.com/merch, or also go to patreon.com/utini and you can become a member and you get access to all of our episodes in advance and a bunch of other Utini member exclusives. If for some reason you haven't just done it yet, make sure to join our discord. We have a very active community there sharing their thoughts on the latest episode of, uh, whatever show on Disney plus, I guess, uh, you know, coming in on May 27th now on a Friday, right? Yeah. Would be, uh, Kenobi. So definitely join there so you can be part of that conversation. Uh, and this week, I mean, as we're recording this, we're, they're going to start, I would assume, talking about Queen's Hope, which is the next book that is coming out as of uh, today's recording. Yes. Uh, and most importantly, of course, that is where you can get the latest news uh, from Star Wars Archives and discuss anything that we talk about here today. Also, make sure to follow our Twitter, which was, what was it? At uh, the SW Archives? SW Archives pod, and it's more okay. important than ever you join our Discord or yes. check out our Twitter because I will be putting in actual maps to help you yes. contextualize the things that we've been talking about today. Yes. So, yeah, slash Discord, and there's a channel there for Star Wars Archives at SW Archives Pod for our Twitter. You can also reach me at the Joxy, that's T H E J O X X, oh, sorry, X I I I. For uh, my Twitter account, and what is yours, Trev? So I am at Davy Todd. All right. Well, um, we'll take a quick break now to play our latest bedtime story. This one um, is uh, our good friend Emma recorded this one, correct? Yes. And uh, with a, I with forget nice which clone, story. Clone, clone Wars era is called a Letter from Christophsis. All right. Well, hope you guys enjoy this and uh, go ahead, Trev, play that. Hello there, everyone. It's Emma Park from the Cosmic Force Show, as well as other Utini projects. And you're probably wondering, why in the Great Force is she wearing a sweatshirt blanket? And I'll tell you why. I like to get cozy. 
I like to listen to Star Wars audiobooks before bed. And uh, this whole idea came to be with uh, Trev from Star Wars Archives asking me to read a Star Wars bedtime story for everybody. So I'm getting cozy. I hope you are cozy too. And uh, yeah, let's see what Trev sent me. So by the way, I have not read this yet. Um, I haven't even looked at it, so I have no idea what it's about or what the story even is. So this is going to be just as fun for me as it is for you guys, I hope. So let's see what we have here. All right, Trev says, hi, Emma. Since Ahsoka, good start, is one of your favorite characters, the piece I've chosen for you revolves around her very first Star Wars appearance, the Clone Wars movie. This particular abridged piece is from the reference book, The Essential Guide to Warfare, written by Jason Fry and Paul Urquhart, and published by Del Rey in 2012. This is titled Letter from Christophsis and is an in-universe document that takes the shape of a handwritten letter from Ahsoka to her fellow Padawan, Telizabeth Enwandong Esterhazy. Whoa, that is quite a mouthful. Known as Scout. Okay, good. That I can handle. <laughs> uh, who features in the Legends novel, Yoda Dark Rendezvous. All right, everybody. I hope you are comfortable now. I personally am comfortable, but also a little sweaty. So let's do this. <laughs> All right, here we go. Hey, Scout. Well, here I am. I just helped kick the Separatists off a planet called Christophsis in the Savarine Sector. And I have a new Jedi Master called, wait for it, Skywalker. Yeah, that one. Turns out he's only four or five years older than me. Might be cute if he didn't have that weight of the galaxy thing on him all the time. I know, Jedi code and all. A girl still notices. Anyway, the battle started without me, so this first bit is just what I heard from the clones. The Separatists invaded Christophsis, so General Kenobi sent in Skywalker and three Jedi cruisers, but when they got there they found one of the big Separatist fleets in orbit. Lots of battleships under a Seppi called Admiral Trench. Sky Guy, that's what I call him, I think he kind of likes it, decided to attack the blockade anyway, which didn't really work. So General Kenobi wasn't all that happy when he showed up with the flagship to find the other Jedi cruisers all beat up. Thankfully, he brought along a new ship that could sneak through the blockade. The clones wouldn't tell me more than that. And Sky Guy insisted on flying it down with supplies for the refugees. Then, halfway down, he decided to divert into the blockade and attack Trench's cruiser, which was a bit crazy, but also the right thing to do. So, Sky Guys broke in the blockade, but there's still this droid army in Crystal City, commanded by this big alien with a weird accent. I think his name was Loathsome. Anyway, I got there just after the artillery bit. It felt different being in the middle of a battlefield. Kenobi and Sky Guy and the clone commanders are all really military and professional, and tall, but I think they like me. And you have no idea what it's like to see a frontline fleet in orbit, all the big ships up close in the starry blackness. Really cool. Of course, as soon as I get down and introdu introduce myself to Sky Guy, the droid cruisers come back and kick our fleet out of orbit. So we've got droids overhead, and droids a few blocks away, and just my shuttle for transport for the entire assault force. And to make matters worse, Loathsome has set up a deflector shield over his position that blocks our guns, and he's sending all kinds of droids, uh, excuse me, all kinds of droid tanks back to squish us under the cover of the shield dome so our guns can't stop them. So Sky Guy decides we have to take down the shield, and we means him and me. So my first day on the job, and I'm sneaking into a separatist base under the shield perimeter, and then these sentinel droids show up and start shooting. 
So Sky Guy holds them off while I try to blow the shield generator. Yeah, I've been on Christophsis about an hour, and I have to pull a wall down on some droids to save my masters behind. He wasn't exactly grateful, but I think he just doesn't like it when he feels he has to rely on other people. While I'm off doing this crazy stuff, General Kenobi has been negotiating our surrender with General Loathsome, which I think was just to buy us some time. Once the shield goes down, and did I mention that was me, we can start shooting droid tanks again. And just when we've won, Master Yoda shows up with a big fleet from Curson. So maybe I didn't need to spend my lunch break dodging blaster fire. Still, I hope Sky Guy notices my moves and the whole saving his life thing. Anyway, that was Christophsis. Terrifying and exciting and exhausting. Now Sky Guy and me and a bunch of clones are off on, s- on secret missions. Which of course means I can't tell you anything else. Sorry. I'll write again soon because I miss the temple and I miss you. At least I do when I get some time to breathe. Your friend, Ahsoka. All right, that was really fun. That was the story called, um, let's see, Letter from Christophsis, from Ahsoka Tano. Thank you, Trev. Thank you, Jose. Thank you, Star Wars Archives. This is a great idea. Um, Yeah, this was a ton of fun. That was a really interesting story, and honestly, I might have to get that book if there's more stories like that in there. Um, Really, really cool stuff. So thank you, guys. Have a good night, my friends, and may the force be with you. All right. Well, thank you, Trev, and thank you to all of our Patreon members. I hope you all enjoyed uh, that little or that bedtime story. Make sure to also check it out on YouTube. It'll go live, and you can see Emma reading that out live, and you can see how she was reacting to that. Um, the one for for my bedtime story already went up. And, you know, it was the pilot, so I'm a little nervous at first because we're trying to figure out exactly <laughs> what great. it was. But uh, hopefully well. I'll get a, a second chance to to read some other story at some point and redeem myself there. But, yeah, thank you guys. Thank you for uh, supporting us and making this show possible. And thank you to uh, our listeners for continuing to hear us talk about anything and everything Star Wars. And with that, I can now say Radio Out. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars fan code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the Force be with you.